Michael, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, especially on some intriguing themes, because you leave us uh, a lot more educated and uh, having a clearer understanding of where we are in the automotive industry. Uh, and uh, of late, what we are witnessing is that South Africans' pockets have been under strain. Help us understand how this is revealed in the December details or data that you shared with us in terms of vehicle sales in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much for having us uh, once again on the show. Uh, 2023 has been a very mixed uh, bag um, in terms of new vehicle sales. Uh, we've seen a very, very challenging year. We were expecting a much better performance than the one that we've seen. Uh, at the back, obviously, of a number of challenges that we've had during the course of the year. You'd recall uh, that in 2023, we've had a number of uh, interest rates hike. Uh, Uh, We've seen also a number of challenges that we have uh, specifically in relation to uh, logistics in terms of bringing vehicles into the country and also uh, taking vehicles out of South Africa because uh, in 2023 in particular, 80% of the the vehicles that we sold in the country were vehicles that were imported into South Africa. And our rate of importing those particular vehicles was also challenged a great deal. Uh, primarily because of the fact that uh, we have a number of challenges, uh, you know, at our ports of entry, uh, Transnet not being able to process uh, as many of the vehicles that we would like to see coming through. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen delays in terms of customers receiving uh, their vehicles very late mm. uh, to a point where some, in fact, also withdrew their uh, agreements with some of the dealerships because of the extended delays that we've had. So, We've had a numerous uh, number of challenges in 2023, and we're very hopeful that this year will bring a a different set of fortunes uh, for the industry going forward. Uh, It's really intriguing to actually understand just how far-reaching the implications are of our logistics environment in South Africa. But I'm also intrigued by the fact that why are we seeing that the number of cars that we're purchasing are typically being imported? Are we not purchasing from the local manufacturers at all, or those who have local manufacturing plants in the country, rather? Well, we do, um, you know, uh, have vehicles that are produced in South Africa uh, that uh, South Africans love. I mean, in Pretoria, we've got the Ford Ranger mm. uh, that is produced in Silverton. We've got a BMW X3 uh, produced in, Sil- I mean, in Roslyn by BMW. We've got the Nissan Navara, uh, also in Swani. Uh, in Deben, we've got four brands that we produce uh, from the Toyota plant, mm. a Toyota Cross, uh, you know, a Toyota Corolla. Uh, the Fortuna and also the Toyota Hilux. When you go to the Eastern Cape, we've got a, a, a VW Polo and a VW a Classic, beautiful cars that are produced by VW. And then we've got the Mercedes-Benz C-Class, uh, which is produced by Mercedes-Benz in East London. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a D-Max a bike that is produced by um, Isuzu, uh, also in Kabeha. Mm-hmm. The challenge we have, and the reason why you see the um, you know imported vehicles that are much higher by volume relative to what we produce in South Africa mm-hmm. is because you have, uh, you know, uh, many other brands, around, I think, 37 other brands that are bringing their vehicles into the country uh, that are not produced in South Africa. And out of those 37-odd brands, uh, there's a multitude of uh, what we call model derivatives. So. If you look at our passenger vehicle space, Google, mm-hmm. we've got about 42 passenger brands uh, that we have in South Africa today. Out of those 42, 
brands that we are currently produce. I mean, um, uh, distributing and selling. We've got model derivatives. We've got uh, around 2,513 different models that uh, consumers can be able to choose from. Sure. Uh, if you take, for example, a company like, Mercedes, uh, like um, a BMW, we only produce the X3 um, you know, in Roslyn. Yes. Other products, your X1, your X2, your X4, 5, 6, up until 7, your, your 1 series, up until 7 series, all those vehicles are imported into the country. And, and we know South Africans uh, love you know, uh, bringing in uh, some expensive variants um, and derivatives into the, mar- into the market that unfortunately are not produced in South Africa. And that's why you have uh, you know, that slant where you see more imported vehicles that are coming into the country than mm-hmm. your produced uh, vehicles that are produced locally. So I'm glad you've added this perspective because it does help us understand the lay of the landscape. I do recall of the X3 models uh, about two years ago, you mentioned that at least, what, 90 or 80% of these particular vehicles are exported versus um, a good 10, 5% that we typically see on South African roads. Yeah, absolutely. So the X3, for example, 97% of the X3s that we produce in Rosaline are not uh, sold in South Africa. We only sell 3% of those vehicles in the country. The balance, which is uh, 97%, goes out of the country uh, where we are currently exporting to 152 uh, different markets around the world. It is a, a, an absolute vote of confidence mm-hmm. uh, you know, for us as a sector because we are attracting new markets. Uh, a lot of countries around the world uh, are confirming uh, the quality of vehicles that we are producing in South Africa and they are coming to South Africa to be able to uh, take those orders directly from us here. Mm. Long may that last indeed, especially with the new uh, automotive industry policies that we're seeing in terms of moving uh, to uh, new energy vehicles and the manufacturing and production of that in the local space. I, I do want to come back, Datimabasa, uh, to, to the local environment and what we do see from consumers. Given this trend that you've highlighted in terms of uh, um, the volume perhaps being slanted towards higher levels of imports from international brands, are we finding that this is where Asian brands or brands from the East are typically dominating the market? I'm thinking Hyundai, Haval, uh, Bike, a few others that have entered the, the space. Absolutely. I think the, the landscape is shifting and it is doing so very, very fast. We've seen you know, Chinese brands uh, coming into the South African market at a very, very uh, accelerated pace than we actually anticipated, particularly in 2023. Um, and there are also a number of other Chinese brands that are uh, kind of currently lining up uh, to launch in South Africa during wow. uh, 2024. Um, you'd recall, I think, you know, in the past we used to joke that Chinese are bringing Hong Kong's, uh, you know, vehicles into the market. But I think that has since changed. I think we've seen some amazing, amazing quality brands uh, that are coming through. You've mentioned Haval. Um, uh, you know, we've got Cherries now mm, uh, that oh are in the God. market from China. And uh, we've also launched um, towards the end of last year uh, electric vehicles from BYD, uh, which are also in the market now, and there's uh, also a couple of other manufacturers that are coming through uh, into South Africa. So I think Asian uh, brands are definitely beginning to uh, assert, you know, their authority into the South African market, uh, and I think the price points at which most of these vehicles have been positioned uh, has absolutely received uh, an amazing uh, favour 
uh, with a lot of South African uh, uh, consumers. Mm. Uh, you're mentioning so many points that we can really take this conversation everywhere. But what I'm keen to also get your insight on, Ndati uh, Mabasa, is uh, the outlook for the year ahead. As you've mentioned, consumers have been under pressure. The economy has been uh, seeing increases in terms of inflation, uh, waning yeah. income, uh, but also uh, the uh, port freight uh, logistical challenge that we, that we have in the country. Uh, are we seeing that as an industry, we, we have great expectations for 2024 to be a better year in terms of vehicle sales? I think this is going to be a very tough year, uh, Gugu, because remember the first uh, two quarters of this year are going to be um, under a, a very interesting political climate with elections coming through. Mm. We know that uh, you know the industry uh, depends not only on consumers like me and you uh, walking into a dealership to buy a, to buy a vehicle. We've got major customers like, for example, government itself. You know, we've got uh, yes. national departments. You've got provincial, municipal de- de- uh, departments, and also our SOEs that buy vehicles uh, quite, quite very firmly. And it is our view that many of those procurement decisions are likely to be suspended, at least post uh, the national general elections, uh, which are obviously expected to be around May uh, this year. So I think the first half of this year is definitely going to be a very, very uh, sluggish uh, period. Um, and we certainly want to... Uh, you know, uh, very firmly uh, encourage, uh, you know, consumers who are due to uh, replace their fleet uh, mm-hmm. to obviously um, consider because many of the customers and also um, OEMs alike are also beginning to also consider uh, putting some very, very decent uh, discounts into the yes. market in order for us to be able to make sure that uh, this term, uh, particularly the first half, uh, first half of this year, is not uh, as worse as we, we, we currently project. Very true. We've heard from representatives from NADA and a few financial services institutions who have been working on uh, uh, some of those uh, favorable or more convenient uh, financial terms and conditions to make sure that affordability isn't too much of a factor. But what I'm also intrigued by, Tatema is that split that you mentioned uh, from between you and I as ordinary consumers versus those uh, large and institutional customers who purchase fleet uh, vehicles. What's the split uh, in terms of uh, the volume? Yeah, well, look, I think the ordinary uh, consumers, uh, you and I, uh, still take a, a large chunk, um, you know, in relation to the market share uh, of vehicles that are sold. Uh, if you look at government uh, sales, uh, last year, I think we we're looking at around 8% overall, uh, you know, of uh, the uh, entire fleet that was um, bought last year by government. We also have another big customer, which is our rental companies, mm. uh, who are also beginning to gain traction because a lot of, uh, you know, people are now traveling, uh, you know, post-COVID-19. We are seeing also uh, many of them refleeting. If you go to airports around the country, we are beginning to see, you know, companies like Avis, uh, you know, beginning to refleet their stock so that they can be able to make sure that they are able to uh, have enough uh, to be able to uh, bring into the market. And we also have other, you know, customers that are coming through, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, taxi services, be it uh, Uber, Bolt, and many other customers that are also beginning uh, to, to take up a lot of fleet uh, to be able to make sure that they're able to um, uh, get into the space. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of deliveries, uh, you know, uh, vehicles uh, that are now beginning to be bought because a lot of people are now going into online purchasing and many of our delivery uh, and courier companies are also uh, you know, taking up a lot of fleet, uh, mm-hmm. and we've seen this uh, particularly during the course of last year. And we hope that trend will also continue uh, into 2024.
100%. I'm also intrigued. There was a, a peculiar article that I saw on MoneyWeb that had highlighted that um, uh, certain luxury or segments of vehicles have also seen a significant of struggle or, or strain, especially if we take a look at the long-term trend. And one of the institutions or vehicle brands that they had alluded to was BMW, how at least 10 years ago in 2013, they were able to sell at least 27,000 units uh, of the uh, particular various derivatives of these vehicles in the country versus uh, 13,000 that they sold uh, in the last year. So is this also a significant shift that South Africans are moving from more luxury brands to, I guess, something that's more affordable for their pockets? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a function of, uh, you know, these new highly competitive models that we've seen uh, introduced into our market in the last, uh, you know, three to five years. Uh, and that trend is definitely beginning to challenge very, very strongly your traditional brands, uh, particularly in the SUV market. I think the SUV market uh, is becoming extremely exciting. A lot of customers are now beginning to have a choice, which is fantastic for our consumers because consumers are able to choose, uh, you know, um, products that uh, they can be able to afford Banks are also beginning to create, uh, you know, some fantastic products uh, in order to allow our customers to be able to afford these particular brands. So I think traditional brands uh, are aware that they need to obviously uh, work harder, uh, you know, for their back in order to be able to uh, retain some of their loyal customers. Because as you know, South African customers are also extremely loyal to their specific brands. But I think that is also beginning to shift and we will certainly be watching uh, this space very carefully as new brands are coming into the market. Definitely. Datemabas, I always appreciate your time. There's so much more I'd like to talk about. New energy vehicles, the automotive policies, how best we're still creating growth and economic uh, job opportunities. But I'm aware that your your time is precious this evening. But thank you so much for joining us on the show as always. If you missed it live, live, live. catch the podcast on kaya959.co.za.